Hey, um, I don't really even know where to start this morning because it almost appears that that this whole panic of the pandemic has started over. And it, it breaks my heart to what it does to me, what it does to you, because the unknown is paralyzing. And we mentioned it in the first service that just, it's almost we're back to the point nobody knows how to act again. Because it's like every time we turn around, something else changes. But my hope and my prayer is today when you leave here, that you would leave here encouraged. Because God is still on the throne. Media has nothing to do with our influence of our worship. He hasn't changed. He's not going to change. And so therefore, he still deserves all that we are. Now, I know it may look different, and I know that, but I just want to let you know how God is still alive, how God is still moving. You know, as you've heard what next week is about Sin Sunday, and, and that is a burden that God laid on our heart for Chestnut Mountain some three years ago, is that we're not going to be about the inside of these four walls. We want to be out. That's the reason the Great Commission says to go. It doesn't tell them to come. So we're going to spend and exhaust every resource we have going. And... um. And as you know, it's December, so there's a lot of needs in our community, which is the very reason you heard that we're furnishing Christmas for 360-some-odd kids, because I want to celebrate you, because without your obedience, those are children who would have never received Christmas. That is us being the hands and the feet of Jesus, and I know you think, well, Brian, it's not about the presence, it's not about, no, it's about us loving people. Amen. And... And if anybody that knows me, and right now I'm just being completely too open, so y'all just get over it, I guess. I'm not very good at budgets. I'm not very good at money. Just being real. If somebody calls the church and says, we need this or we want this, can you help us? You know what my answer is? Yeah. And then, you know, Tim and June, did you check? We don't have that in the budget left. I'm like, well, okay, Sorry. So with the month of December, obviously, we've been giving, 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 giving. And I got an email Friday from one of our local schools asking us to partner and minister to their teachers and staff. And yes, that has to come out of our local missions budget, which for the month of December is already gone. You're thinking, man, you're sharing it all today. Well, I'm just going to keep sharing. And so I began to pray. I said, God, I know this is what you've called us to do. And God, I know that you've called us to love our community. I know you've called us to be outside these four walls. So God, why in the world would a school contact me wanting us to serve and to love the teachers and the staff at this school and me have to tell them no? I don't understand that, God. And I said, God, you're gonna have to provide. <laughs> Guess what? He just provided 15 minutes ago. I had a, somebody came up to me and said, here's, here's a blessing to the church because you're a blessing to this community and we believe in what you're doing, so here you go. So guess what? I'm texting them back with a, all caps, yes, with exclamation points, the whole page. Because that is what God has called us to do in church. This is what we gotta celebrate. When God calls us to do something, he will provide. 
It may be at the last minute. It may be right at the nick of time, but he will provide. And we've got to keep moving. We've got to keep our hands to the plow. And so for all you budget people, I may make you nervous. I don't care. Because I serve a God who is faithful. And God will provide. So, man, okay, sorry. Has nothing to do with what we're going to be sharing about today. And I'll be honest, I told the band this morning as we were doing our meeting first thing, I said, look, today's message is going to be really, really short. It's probably the shortest one I've ever done. And they, the last service said, well, it wasn't too short. Well, and so somebody said, well, Brian, we always love hearing the family jokes. We love hearing what, what's going on in your home. So I've got one that I do want to share kind of as a filler. Um, if you know, I've got Brock is my 13 year old. And then we have two twins that are 11, Andy and Cooper. And then you've all heard of Deacon. And so the, the interesting part is you've heard about Brock. Brock's the super spiritual one. Deacon is, is Deacon. God bless her. Cooper, every, that's everybody's favorite. Y'all are the Cooperisms because Cooper's in his own world and he's happy there. And so my little daughter, Andy, she has even asked me before, Daddy, you don't ever share my stories from the stage. And I said, well, baby, you got to give me some content. You got you to gotta give me some stuff to share. Well, she delivered. She delivered. November 2nd was my wife's birthday, and we, you know, had gone out to eat that night. We had a gift card to Crackle Barrel, so we were at Crackle Barrel, and we were eating. And so I don't even know how we got talking about it. And look, I know you're going, Chelsea's not here. That's why you're telling this story. No, I told it in the first service. We're doing a wedding today. She's already headed to the wedding, so that's where she's at. So don't think I'm throwing her under the bus. So Andy, we were talking about my wife, their mother. And she said, Daddy, I have figured out how to define mama. <laughs> oh, this is not going to go well. And she said, I figured it out. And I said, what, baby? At home? She's an angry T-Rex. But when she gets to church, she's Barney. And so I did what every loving husband and father does. I went to the bathroom. I dismissed myself from that awkward moment. So Andy, there's your moment in the, in the light. Um, so yeah, so now your mom will be an angry T-Rex to you um, because you have, have vocalized that. So when y'all see her here, she's Barney, okay? So y'all just, if you see her, just say, hey, Barney. You know, we love you, Barney. Um, she'll know what we're talking about. But I do wanna say Merry Christmas. And I know that when you say Merry Christmas, there's a lot of you that may not even think it's time to say Merry Christmas yet. We're only, what, December 6th? And you're sitting there going, well, wait a minute. We're not, we still got three weeks. You know, let's don't start talking about Merry Christmas yet, okay? So look, I know there's a lot of different opinions about the Christmas season. There's a lot of different opinions about decorating. We've already laughed about that this morning. When to hang the lights, when to put the tree up. You know, when to start listening to Christmas music, which this year, when well, you go into Walmart, like October 25th, and they were already playing Christmas music. So I know for me, I go into a mode of, I don't really know where to stand when it's opportunity to begin to celebrate. And so like when the people across from your home throw up their Christmas tree on October 30th, number one, I make fun of them. What are you doing? Or... I begin to condemn them. And then all of a sudden I become convicted because my kids begin to say, Daddy, you're no fun. You're the Scrooge. Why do they have their tree up? You don't have ours up yet. Why not blah, 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 blah. Because we all have different opinions as to when the timing of Christmas begins. 
when the decorations begin. But the one thing that I can truly say that I have observed in our society and in our culture this year is I can honestly say in my 43 years of being alive, I don't know that I have ever seen people begin to celebrate Christmas so early as I have this year. But I believe that that example speaks to the heart and the condition of our society and in our world. I believe that we are so hungry that we were so thirsty for something bright. Not necessarily Christmas lights, but we just wanna be able to hold on to something that provides some sort of hope, that provides some kind of bright spot in the middle of all of this darkness. And so now next year, when I see people put up Christmas lights on October 15th, I'm gonna start praying for them because I know they're desiring something that this world is not providing them. They're wanting something to give them hope. And so Christmas is all about hope coming to this world. Christmas is all about hope coming to us. And so as you may have guessed it today, we're gonna to be looking at hope. We're gonna look at the story of hope. And so when we look at the story of hope, we're not gonna unpack it all today, but this is what we're gonna be looking at for the next three weeks as we lead into December 25th, which is the day we celebrate Christmas. So I want you to flip to your Bibles to Matthew chapter one. We're not gonna be here very long at all, we're gonna read verses 18 through 25, and then that's the last time we'll come back to Matthew today, but it sort of sets the stage as to where we're gonna spend uh, the remainder of the morning. And many of you know that, that you may read this in your home, I don't know, at Christmas time, but um, I felt it was imperative for us to sit down and, and read this passage out of the Gospel of Matthew. But follow along with me in verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with a child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, he planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with a child and they shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translate means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and he took Mary as his wife, but he kept her a virgin and she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. You know, there's so many things that you could look at in this passage, but we're gonna focus solely today on verses 22 and 23 of Matthew chapter one. It says, now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And most of you probably know that the prophet that Matthew is speaking of is the prophet Isaiah. And then he goes on, the prophet Isaiah, 
that he is quoted here in verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with a child and they shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And so I want you to flip to Isaiah chapter seven, which is where this quote comes from, which where this scripture comes from. And we're gonna be looking in Isaiah chapter seven and in Isaiah chapter nine today. But before we really unpack just a few verses in chapter seven, it's, it's important for you to understand what's going on in Isaiah chapter seven right now when we're reading. What you gotta see here is that this is the nation of Israel, which is God's chosen people. These are God's children who have come under attack. They're being attacked by the Assyrian army. And, and so we know that the enemy is closing in from all aspects, from all areas and closing on, closing in on God's children, closing in on God's chosen people. And so because of this, this increase of attack, because of all that's going on, we know that Israel is in the darkest season. Many scholars and commentators refer to it as this. They were in the peak of their oppression. They were in the peak of their oppression. So here you have God's people who are, who are God's promises have been already given to, but the enemy is still closing in. And because they have been hijacked by, by forgetting God's promises and focusing on the circumstances of this world, they have now entered into a time of the peak of their oppression because they're scared to death. They're confused. They're paralyzed, they're unsettled because of all that is going on in and around them. And so King Ahaz was over Israel at this time and, and so he had gotten report of just how bad it was. He had gotten report of how bad these attacks were and how strong these armies are. And so now God in his love and compassion ceased to make it a, to make it a point to bring peace to Israel. And so through the prophet Isaiah, he speaks to King Ahaz. And so we can see that where they're at is in a state of panic. Look in chapter seven, verse two. He says, and when it was reported to the house of David, saying, the Armans have camped in the Euphrates, and his heart and the hearts of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake with the wind. So they are overwhelmed with fear. It says that they are shaking like the leaves of the forest when the wind blows. They're in a tough season. They're in a season of confusion. They're in a season of chaos and uncertainty. And I don't think that we have to really call attention to it that, that there's probably most of us in this room that are already recognizing, man, that is the state of our society. This is us. We feel like the enemy is closing in all around us. We are in the peak of our oppression. Look, I'm 43 years old, and I know just in my lifetime, I have never walked through a season of this. When there's been more turmoil, when there's been so many things that are unsettled, when we don't know who to listen to, when we don't know who to trust, when we don't know who to believe, and when we're so confused, we just freeze. And we do nothing. And so that is the state of Israel. That is what they're experiencing right now. And so what I want us to do is I want us to keep moving and I want us to keep looking as to what Isaiah is gonna promise through King Ahaz. And what I want you to hear in this is I want you to see this and listen to this this morning 
that I believe with everything in me, this Christmas season that we're about to walk into, that when we get ready to celebrate Christmas, I am believing with everything in me that for many of you, this is going to be the greatest Christmas you have ever experienced. Even though it may look different, even though the, the presents may look different, even though the gatherings may look different, but I wanna tell you right now, God is not going to look any different. He is still the savior of the world. And so in this state of panic, if you would, in this state of being so unsettled, God, with his love and his compassion, he speaks to Isaiah and he tells Isaiah, hey, you go and tell King Ahaz so that he can tell my people, so that he can comfort my people. And if we were gonna paraphrase it, he's pretty much telling them, look, the way that it appears, the way that this world looks right now, I want to encourage you that the way you see it, the way that it feels, it's not how this whole thing is gonna turn out. It's not how this story ends. So we have to rest in those promises. He's telling them this, you've gotta rest in my promises. Don't focus on the circumstances. Don't focus on the situation. You rest and focus on me. And so we see what he tells them. The message that he wants to send them is in verse four. Look at verse four of Isaiah chapter seven. Now remember, this is the Lord speaking to Isaiah the prophet and Isaiah is going to communicate this. And he says, and you say to him, take care and be calm. Have no fear, do not be faint-hearted because of these two stubs of smoldering firebrands. Now there's a lot to unpack just in this one verse. But what we see at the very top here, he tells them to take care and be calm. Take care and be calm. So you gotta envision here, this is chaos. This city is in turmoil. They're in the peak of their oppression. And now Isaiah is gonna speak to the king. The king is gonna speak to God's people. And he's gonna say, look, calm down. Calm down. Some translations, um, they think it appears more aggressive than what I just read you saying, instead of it saying, hey, just take care and be calm. Some scholars believe that it was much more in your face and that it was very aggressive in that. He yelled out, stop and be quiet. I don't know about you, but that's the way the Lord has to speak to me because I can get in panic mode. I'm a fixer. I try to do this, I try to do that. And it takes the Holy Spirit of God many times to go, Brian, stop and be quiet. But the problem is, church, is we're trying to make sense of all of it. But when Isaiah is saying here, look, just stay calm and take care. And then he tells them, don't be faint hearted. And so what this would be translated into was, hey, look, don't let your heart get weak. You stay strong and you stay bold and you stay faithful. You stay strong. You stay bold and you stay faithful. But here's the reason 
Now, I want you to listen to this. Here is the reason that he's telling them this. He's saying, look, keep calm, settle down. Don't be faint-hearted because of these two smoldering firebrands. Now, if you're like me, you thought, what the heck is a two smoldering firebrands? So thank God for people who are a lot smarter than we are. I looked it up. When you see the number two, it's talking about the two enemy kings that were in charge of the attacks on Israel. And so what Isaiah is saying is saying, look, don't be fearful of who's attacking you. Don't be fearful of who's coming against you because these two things are like a smoldering firebrand. And if we want to put a picture to that, what you would see and what you would envision is what a smoldering firebrand would represent, what it would be a log that is on a fire that is burning out. That at one moment in time, that flame was, was bursting forth from this log and it was, it was impactful. It was providing heat. It was providing everything that it looked like it was going to provide. And then all of a sudden, it was removed from the fire. And now all of a sudden, it turns to ashes. It begins to smoke. And so what Isaiah is saying, look, stay calm. Calm down. Don't be faint hearted because the enemy's attack is about to be extinguished. The enemy's attack is about to appear as a smoldering fire log. It's about to be put out. And so this is why he's telling the people, look, hold on. Calm down, settle your heart and stay strong. So church, if I could encourage you with anything this morning. Yes, it feels, it feels like the enemy's closing in. It's, it may be hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But I want to tell you from a pastor's heart to yours, don't get caught up in the chaos of this Christmas. Don't get caught up in what the news says. But you rest in the fact, just stay calm, be patient, just be not a faint-hearted. Because the reality is, is the enemy's attack will be extinguished. It will burn out. It is only temporary. But now, he tells them to calm down, settle your heart, be strong. This flame's gonna burn out. But now what we read is, what we're gonna see next is the reason this flame is going to burn out. Isaiah is about to shine light, the light, on this entire situation. Look in verse 14 of chapter 7. It says, Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with a child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Sound familiar? It should. We just read it in Matthew chapter 1. You see, in Matthew chapter 1, when this was recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, it was some 800 years later when the prophet Isaiah spoke to this. And so I know you're, some of you are going, so we still got 800 years of this mess left? No. I don't know when the timing is. But where we as Christians, where we as, 
a human being get frustrated is because God never works on our time schedule. God never works by our clock. I was just talking to a couple that visited for the first time this morning and and they were talking about this season that we've been walking through since March. And I looked at them and I said, you know, I said, this is gonna sound very strange, but I said, I'm thankful for what God's been doing since March. God has been doing a work in the life of his church here that is unexplainable. We've baptized more people since our doors have been open than we ever did before. We've seen more family members come to join this fellowship here. And can I tell you, that's something only God can do. And that's why I believe God is using something the enemy meant for evil and he's turning it for good. He's making people hungry for community. He's making people hungry for a savior. And we're getting the opportunity to see people respond to that. And so do we wanna go back to normal? Some of you want to throw a rock at me right now. But are we wanting to go back to normal? Because most of the time, normal means a rut. That we just get in the, the, the routine of going to church. That we just get in the routine of maybe or maybe not coming on Wednesday night. But I think what God is doing is he is ripping the scales even from the church's eyes and making us hungry and thirsty for the only one who can provide what we need. Because we get so caught up chasing what this world has to offer and we get comfortable. But I can tell you in this season of uncomfortableness, I've spent more time under my desk seeking God's face than I ever did before. Because we get in that position of cruise control. I've got this. This is easy. I've got this church thing figured out. So we need to get back to the place where we're thankful that God is waking his church up. So calm down, settle your heart, stay strong because Emmanuel is coming. Emmanuel is coming. And we got to read how this was translated in Matthew chapter one. Emmanuel was translated God with us. In some, in some commentaries, it even goes to this, take it a step further. I really love this one. It sounds much more intimate, but basically it means God with his people. That God is with his people. So here we have Israel in their darkest hour. We have them full of fear. They're full of worry. They're full of hopelessness. And then all of a sudden, by the prophet Isaiah, they hear hope. They hear hope that God is coming to be with you. Now I think about, I'm a very logical guy. I like to, things to make sense. And so I was even thinking and relating this to a, a 911 call. You know, you, most of the time, if you've ever had to call 911, you've seen a a car wreck, or maybe it's a family member in your home and, and panic has set in. So you know nothing else to do except to call 911. Well, the person that you talk to, the dispatcher that's on the other end, their role, their job is to bring peace to the situation. Is they are announcing, hey, stay calm. Don't be faint hearted. Don't make your, if you panic, you're gonna make this whole thing worse. And so what I'm hearing right now is, 
is the prophet Isaiah is basically that dispatcher. He's saying, calm down, settle your heart because help is on the way, which is exactly what 911 says. Calm down, settle your heart because we've got help coming. And so that's what these children of Israel are hearing is look, stay calm, settle your heart. Don't be faint hearted because help is on the way. The savior is on the way. And this is what gave them hope. This is the very reason he's telling them to calm down, to settle their hearts and to stay strong because we know what happens when the savior shows up. When the savior shows up, everything changes. When the Savior shows up, everything changes. And so we can see exactly how everything changed. Because he's telling them, look, the Savior's on the way. And we know that in Isaiah 7, we know that in Matthew 1, they're speaking of the birth of Jesus, the physical birth of Jesus. And so there was their hope that this child, the son of God was coming to this earth to take away the sins of the world. Now I know for you, you may be sitting there going, wait a minute, Brian. So Jesus isn't physically coming right now. He's gonna be birthed as a child, as a baby. But no, it's not that Jesus is coming right now in the same context, but what we need to celebrate is that the presence of God is already here. We read about it in Acts when Jesus, his physical body ascended back to heaven, the Holy Spirit was given to us to be the comforter, to be our peace, to be our strength. But church, there is a day that is coming when Jesus is coming again. And can I tell you, when he shows back up, everything changes. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So church, the reason that we have hope, yes, we presently have the, the almighty God living in us. He's around us. He is surrounding us. But there is also coming a day when the physical presence of our Lord and Savior is coming back for his children. So this is what gives us the peace. This is what gives us the strength. This is what gives us the, the willpower to keep moving forward. But we can read about it in chapter nine, verses two through five. We see right here exactly what the presence of Jesus is going to change. Look at verses two through five. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence. And as with gladness of the harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil, for you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders. The rod of their oppressor as at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle of tumult and the cloak rolled in blood will be for the burning fuel for the fire. Now remember, this is a prophet speaking. He's speaking of what's to come. 
He's speaking of how the presence of Jesus is going to change. And that is the description of how it's going to change. Many scholars refer to this as the prophetic perfect because it gives hope because Emmanuel is coming. And you see, this meant so much to these the children of Israel because they had been so blinded by the law. They were in a place where they thought they had to perform in order to make God love them. They thought they had to do this. They thought they had to do that. They thought they had to perform for God. But Emmanuel means that God is coming to them, not that they've got to work their way to him. And so this flips everything that they've ever been taught on its head, that God is going to do all the work, that God is coming to you, that God is going to meet you right where you're at. And so here they are in the darkest season of their life and they're being told that the Savior's coming to you. You no longer have to try to work to get to him, but he's coming to you. Think about calling 911. I'm not gonna call 911 and say, hey lady, can you tell me where the closest ambulance is that I can find? No, I call in panic, I call in chaos, and she tells me that help is on the way. But the problem is, church, is we've kind of put God in that same nutshell as we think that we've got to somehow find God as if he's hiding under some rock trying to keep his presence from us. But the reality is Emmanuel means he's coming to you. He's not hiding from you. He's knocking on your heart's door. But the bottom line is, is are you going to open and trust and give him that heart? He's coming to you because he loves you. So we settle our hearts. We stay strong because Emmanuel is coming. You've been saved by the grace of God here this morning. And this is your story. If you've been saved by the grace of God, verses two through five is your testimony. And I'll paraphrase it just so it makes a little bit more sense to you. We'll take the highlights of two through five and this is your story as a follower of Jesus Christ in the context of these two, three verses. You walked in darkness and the light showed up. Your gladness has increased. There is now gladness in his presence. Do you remember before salvation? I don't know about you, but there wasn't a lot of gladness in his presence because there was conviction. I realized I was lost. I realized that I was gonna be forever separated from the God. But in that moment of my surrender, guess what? My gladness was increased. There was now gladness in his presence. There was no more condemnation in his presence. The yoke of your burden has been broken. And lastly, the enemy has no hold on you. The enemy has no hold on you. And so for the believer this morning, the word Emmanuel, God with his people, should serve as a reminder of why this Christmas season should be the most exciting Christmas season that you've ever experienced. 
Because I believe the way that God works is when we get distracted by the chaos, when we get distracted of the commercialism of Christmas, God being all powerful, God being all knowing, guess what? He can strip away all of that. And so when you wake up Christmas morning on December 25th, you may not be jumping in your car and going to the family's biggest celebration. You may not be celebrating it for the three weeks prior like my family does. Every weekend, you gotta go somewhere. Well, we're receiving messages every week. Hey, this event's been canceled. This event's been canceled. This event's been canceled. But here's what I wanna tell you this morning, church. Come December 25th, we're not celebrating getting together with our families. What we're celebrating is Emmanuel, that in the moment of your confusion, in the moment of chaos, that when you wake up Christmas morning in your living room, it may look different, but the presence of God is still there. Nothing can change that. And so God has a way of stripping all of the blinders away, all of the distractions away. And he says, look, Brian, for the first time in 43 years, I want you to make this Christmas about me. I want you to make it about me. So for the believer today, Emmanuel should serve as a reminder. But maybe you're here this morning and you're not a believer. You've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. While this serves as a reminder for the believer, let today the word Emmanuel be an invitation to the lost. Because God is coming to you. God is knocking on your heart's door this morning. And here's what I want you to understand. There's nothing you've done to deserve it. The presence of God is meeting you right where you're at with all of your baggage included. And he's saying, you know what? I don't care where you came from. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you're gonna do today after church, but I'm knocking on your heart's door and I wanna remind you today that I sent my son and his name was Emmanuel and he came to die for you. It doesn't matter what you're carrying. It don't matter what you're wrestling with. It don't matter what you're struggling with. And it doesn't matter if you even know all the answers to the questions. He's knocking on your heart's door this morning. And he's saying, here I am. Let me change your forever. Here I am. Let me change your forever. And so this morning, what I want us to do is something a little out of the ordinary. I want you every head bow and every eye closed. Even at home, maybe you're sitting in the living room, maybe you hadn't got out of the bed yet and not even brushed your teeth yet. But I want you to examine your heart right now. This morning, does Emmanuel serve as a reminder to you? Does Emmanuel remind you that God is with you? Or does the word Emmanuel convict you because you see that God is knocking on your heart's door today and wants you to be saved?
He wants you to surrender your heart and your life to Him. If you're here this morning as a believer and, and Emmanuel serves as a reminder, then I wanna ask you to pray right now in this moment. I want you to pray for the one who's in this room, the one who's at home that may have never trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. And maybe you're here this morning in this room and you can say, Brian, that's me. I've never surrendered my heart and my life to Christ. But right now in this moment, I can feel the presence of God knocking on my heart's door. I know the presence of God is calling me and drawing me to himself. And this morning, if you wanna surrender to that knock, if you want to open that door, if you wanna be saved by the grace of God, I want you to simply put your hand up and put it right back down, anybody, anybody. And if you're at home, I would ask you to go on and fill out the material and it'll come to our staff so that we can reach out to you and so that we can share from God's word what it means to surrender your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. And so church this morning, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, don't leave here today without asking Jesus Christ to save you. But as a believer this morning, maybe you need to be in this altar on your knees just thanking God that there was a day that he came to be with you. That there was a day when he came and he knocked on your heart's door. And he said, I love you enough, you don't even have to clean everything up, but I'm gonna love you right where you're at. So God, this morning, I just pray. Lord, I know that with everything in me that there's somebody in this room. God, I know that by the prompting of your spirit that there's someone at home right now that doesn't know you. And God, I pray that they would take that word Emmanuel today and realize that you've come to be with them, that you wanna save them. And so God, I pray that even right now in the midst of us praying that they would simply ask you to be the Lord of their life, that they would simply ask you to save them. God, they don't even have to pray the right thing because the Holy Spirit knows their heart and he's doing it for them. But God, for us as the church, Lord, I pray that we would come back to the basics of what Christmas is all about. God, and that's Emmanuel. And God, we'll praise you, God, for that today. In Jesus' name, amen.